afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome. It's the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. The full team is here. The Monty has gathered. Yes, the Avengers have assembled. And in the corner, pretending to be Thor, Rafe Blanc. Hello, everybody. I'm not quite sure about Thor, but we've certainly got Tony Stark Black back Window. in the form of you and you and Spence. Oh, I get to be Tony to Stark, do I? Uh, I get, well, to, I yeah, get so to be the drunk that was in everything. Memphis Bell. Talking over everybody else. Yeah, that probably works. Okay. Um, who should we get to play Archer? I'm not sure about Archer. Um, <laughs> I mean, Steve's clearly the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> what, we have to get him angry? Well, you don't wouldn't like him when he's angry. No, I because when he gets angry, he talks about backside illumination. I do, and I shall in this very podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, it should be obvious what the topic is going to be uh, for this upcoming podcast. Rafe, it is, of course... The Lumia 1020, also known as the Lumia 909, until a few weeks ago. Oh, right. So we've got to do... I was, I was setting you up for a really funny answer there. We're going to be serious this week. We are, because there's actually a, a lot to talk about. There's a really interesting new device, and I can uh, hear... Steve salivating in the background over thought of a new camera to talk about with all sorts of interesting technology and actually quite a bit more than we were expecting really based on the what we said in the previous podcast excellent so we don't need to talk about how I've been kidnapped by music in Eurovision when I was in, in Denmark and couldn't make it back we're not mentioning that at all no no or the fact that it was actually your microphone was on the fritz no, we're not going to, all the other podcasts are fine without microphone I'm not okay let's go with the 1020 uh it looked lovely from this end down the web stream. Steve and I were watching the press conference in New York. Rafe, did we see you in the front row slightly stage right? It wasn't quite the front row. I was about uh, five rows back, but it, it certainly was a very effective presentation. And I got some hands-on time with the device. And it, it, it's hard actually stepping outside the bubble. I'm just back from New York. And it's kind of, was it really that amazing? You know, it, it's hard not to come across as a screaming fanger when you see a, a phone with such a, you know, a big leap forward in technology. I mean, to be fair, that's the 808, but this is a kind of a different kettle of fish. I mean, Nokia themselves referred to the 808 as kind of a niche device. And this 1020 is obviously intended to be mainstream. And actually there's a, as I said, mentioned briefly, there's a lot of step forward, but uh, maybe the first thing we should just talk about is the presentation. It was probably in 10 years of going to Nokia launch events, the most effective one I've seen, the right combination of plenty of information, you know, focusing on what was new, which was the camera, but with just a few elements of humor, uh, you know, in that. And I, I don't know how well that came across on the stream. I think uh, it came across really well. We've always talked before that when we're at the finished presentations, I remember the uh, comes with music presentation, the, 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 the key line was so buried in the middle of the speech and the launch of the 5800 was a mess. I was really glad about this one. Two things did stand out to me, Rafe. The first one was um, those yellow trainers um, coordinate, coordinating their yellow, black and white converse with the colours available of the phone. I thought it was a very American and subtle touch um, in that way that Americans don't manage subtlety. The other one that I found interesting, Rafe, um, is the, 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 the key money phrase that here's the 1020, here's our new phone. It was actually done by a video. You didn't have that. You didn't have Stephen Neal like reaching a book and go, "Here's a new phone, the 1020, boom!" And then the video plays. It was, "We'd like to show you something new." And then the presentation, the actual reveal was done in the video. And then he would walk out on stage and just carry on. I think it, the only missed beat for me was that the actual money shot, the actual "This is what we've been working on. This is what I've put up with all the brickbats for." He handed over to his video department. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I see what you mean, that heavily kind of CGI intro sequence. I'd have you know, maybe done that, you know, after he'd sort of pulled the phone out of his pocket. 
But on the other hand, you know, it kind of showed off the complexity of the device, which is something you can't very easily, you know, suddenly assemble it on the stage. And let's be honest, would you rather have had somebody go, here is our new imaging smartphone with 41 megapixels that actually takes 37 and 5 megapixel images at the same time, which adds up to 42? Well, I I think that's maybe a a little too unfair. But what was really effective for me was actually bringing the imaging team on stage and their passion for their work was quite evident. But Stephen Edock also, you know, that sense of excitement something new and you know some of the demos that got talked about some of them were a little bit corny you know finding a needle in a haystack but it worked really well as well as sort of demos of the video for example which was showing bees flying and it's actually is the hobby of one of the people who you know helped develop that camera obviously there's a, a big team doing that and you talked about those trainers well one of the kind of exclusive bits of information i can reveal is those uh, trainers weren't just yellow white and black they were actually uh, color pantone matched uh, to the yellow that nokia uses in their device and so that kind of gives you an idea for the level of detail that went into preparing this presentation and uh, you know that work was obviously done by many offices but uh, some of that was done out of the UK London office by the uh, kind of global comms and marketing team so I think they deserve a lot of credit for the work that went into it. obviously it is a team effort it was carefully prepared the presentation but what also struck me was the first 20 minutes of it was pretty much solely focused on the camera and then only then was there kind of a throw like line you know oh it's also a windows phone device that does lots of great stuff and then it was on to some apps and some other discussion areas but, but that's what samsung do with the galaxy except samsung don't even go oh by the way it's an android device they just go it's galaxy this is i think this is one of the key things people you said earlier you know is it a niche device is it selling nokia pushing the lumia name so when somebody goes into carphone warehouse they're happy to pick up a 520 because it says lumia just like they saw in the guardian over the weekend well, that, that's true. I mean, that's also a good point. But actually, the point I was making, it was the discussion focused on the camera aspects of the device. And, you know, the fact it was a smartphone, we all know what Windows Phone does. We all know what that means as a smartphone. So there wasn't a boring repetition of it can do this and this and this. And, you know, and the here software got a mention, which is obviously a big component of you know, Nokia's Windows Phone offering. But it was only to update us on what was new in you know, that particular area. And I thought that worked very well. You know, I compare it to some other manufacturers presentations where you tend to get a repetition of all the features and of course there's always a focus on the new stuff but it was even more true this time around and i thought it was uh, very effectively handled i mean also what probably didn't come across so well uh, on the live stream was there was a very effective presentation kind of with various layers to the actual projection and then as it ended the kind of whole stage opened up slid apart to reveal the demo area beyond so it was all in keeping with the camera theme and there were lots of those nice touches i mean from the 41 second countdown and the 41 minute countdown you know all sort of building into that 41 megapixel message the idea of a camera and you know it's that sense of being lulled into you know this is an amazing device and actually it worked because certainly all the media i talked to were pretty blown away by the you know the technology and the camera aspect of it there were some you know questions around the pricing and still around windows phone uh, and nokia itself but i think everyone agreed it was you know incredibly well handled and it wasn't the kind of the false sense of you know apple style presentation where it's magic it's you know actually the detail was being explained you know the 200 components in the camera module so it was actually a a pretty honest presentation as well um and i think that can only be a good thing going forward if they can maintain that kind of momentum for in the device marketing itself it, it could be very good news for nokia 
So, Steve, uh, let's bring your voice in here as the person who can actually use a camera phone as opposed to me, um, who can... Um, I'm going to be interested to see what my pictures look like at the Town 20, but um, the promise is that the average user will take better pictures and the pro user will take far better pictures. I think that's fair enough. I mean, I'm all, I've said for ages, my Zin and rants are legendary, of course. <laughs> and, and the number one... Steve, thing, smash! <laughs> The number one pro- problem area that most people have, I mean, everybody can take a decent snap out in the sunlight, even you, you, and, you know, photographing your kids or your dog or whatever, <laughs> cycling through Edinburgh. But the number one problem area is low light. It's a party at a pub, it's a restaurant, it's in the living room where things just turn out blurry. And having a Xenon flash, yay, on Windows Phone properly for the first time will mean that you can just, you and just take out your Lumia 1020, point it at your daughter's doing something funny or cute or whatever, Press the shutter button and the Xenon flash will kick in. The excellent optics, the pure view system, all of it will kick in and you'll get excellent photographs. So I think even you won't be uh, disappointing us with 1020 photos. Strictly speaking, though, Steve, it's the second Windows phone with a Xenon flash. The Lumion 928 Verizon has a Xenon flash because I know you've been having a look at that this week as well. Yes, but that's that's rubbish. I'm sure Rafe can have an opinion here, but uh, as I opined, I think, on previous podcasts, the, the 928 Xenon flash is very much shoehorned in at the very last minute, probably under pressure from Verizon. It's horribly unoptimized, and I was very, very disappointed. It produced results not really much better than a, a dual LED flash. So I, I can't, this is the first real one. The, the HTC 7 Mozart, of course, Windows Phone, three or four years ago, even worse. That was absolutely appalling. But this looks to be up at the same sort of level as Nokia 808. I think, as I say, everybody should be taking very good photos indoors with this. Yeah, that's right, Steve. I mean, the interesting element of, you know, Xenon flashes is you're right, they have to be properly optimised. And that certainly seems to be the case with the 1020. All of this is caveats, you know, based on relatively short demo time. I'll have to wait until we get our hands on one. But for example, I was talking to one of the Nokia imaging specialists about how the Xenon flash could also be used in bright conditions for what he referred to as fill-in flash and that's when you've got kind of a backlit scene maybe you're standing in front of a sunny window when you're in inside in a cafe or something like that and actually the device is capable of using the xenon flash for that kind of thing so it's not just dark conditions but but you're right actually what this uh, camera does is it's able to perform well in a wider range of conditions you know Nokia's already do- done pretty well in low light and of course it maintains that because you don't have to use the xenon flash you can turn it off and then it will behave similarly to the 920 because it's got optical image stabilization that actually be better because it's got this huge sensor inside it uh, but when you turn on the xenon flash it can freeze movement in dark conditions and as you said steve you know the the pub shot is the kind of the classic example of that or being in a club or somewhere like that and so it opens up an additional area where you can you know capture high quality photos uh, but as i say it does have a couple of other applications you know fill in flash being a, a good example but it's that kind of choice is one of the things that come through definitely on the 1020 camera we'll talk about the pro camera software in a minute but that's a further example of that but essentially what it does is it you know, combines PureView Stage 1 with PureView Stage 2 uh, to create a camera that's you know, very easy to use, but also very forgiving when you're taking photos. So as you say, Ewan, you know, the novice user should get great pictures out of it. But also because it's got that technology in it and the huge sensor, it's also going to you know, really equip the pro photographer with uh, something really quite uh, powerful in the pocket. So I think the, the main thing okay. to take away... We can't have take a break that there. Long. So one of the things that also caught my eye, and Steve, I'll bring you in here again, uh, because this is sort of more the technical blocks, is there's nothing technology-wise hardware from the 808 that's in the 1020. This is all brand new, even though it's using some of the same techniques from various previous Nokia phones, isn't it? 
Yeah, I was very interested by the statement uh, in the presentation saying that there's, there is no component, there's no part of the 808's uh, componentry that has carried forward to the 1020. Everything was redesigned. And you can kind of understand that the 808's camera was a physically bigger camera. Yes, they're both 41 megapixel sensors, but the, the 808's is a good two or three millimeters thitter, thicker and fatter. The 808's got a 1 over 1.2 sensor, the 1020's a 1 over 1.5. But I've, I've gone back backwards and forwards, Rafe, over the two specifications, looking at the two cameras, and I still reckon that, that they're, they're roughly on a par. You've got the, the smaller sensor on the 1020, but it's BSI, it's backside illuminated, so it should uh, um, improve the light gathering per pixel. You've got, on the one hand, you've got the 808 with its dedicated image uh, sig- signal processor. On the other hand, you've got the OIS and the 1020. You've got a slightly brighter flash on the 808, but then again, it's got that uh, more sensitive sensor on the 1020, so that should compensate for the flash brightness. At every stage, every single stage, I find myself thinking, well, these devices, they should produce roughly similar results. Um, at the end of the day, it probably comes down, Rafe, to things like the, the interface and the experience with the, the, the new pro camera application, the, the, the intuitive way you can fiddle with that, uh, the dual capture system where by you can as they say you can you can <laughs> zoom in and frame something take the shot and think, oh i wish i'd capture something else and then zoom out after the event to, to include another object that's really rather clever plus of course things like the grip accessory so the 1020 is very very promising from where i'm looking i still have my doubts as to whether it will quite match the 808 for some shots but it's certainly i would say a lot more flexible and certainly more aimed at the mass market yeah i mean you're right it, it's a hard question to answer until we actually do a side-by-side comparison but actually i'm confident enough to say based on what i thought i actually expect the 1020 to be noticeably superior to the 808 with the caveat it is going to depend as always on the, you know the conditions that you're taking what particular shot you're taking we've said that before about camera comparisons and a lot will also depend on the, the photographer of course as well because to get the most out of either of these devices you really need to know what you're doing what is definitely fair to say is the 1020 will be much more forgiving to novice users than the 808 was and not that the 808 was bad in that respect it's just the optical image stabilization really takes handshake uh, from camera phones out of the equation and that's a pretty significant factor for most people when taking pictures i mean most of us will know to keep it extra still if you're framing a shot carefully that's fine but if you're taking a rapid fire kind of a happy snapshot as family or as people are running about or something like that actually that becomes a significant factor for i would say everybody um you're right you know if you look at the sensor size the pure physics of it the light gathering i I think they're going to be fairly even by the time you've taken into account the different sensor size and the bsi but where i think some of the differences may come in is the software processing i mean you mentioned the imaging chip Uh, it doesn't have one on the 1020 but it doesn't need to have and it shouldn't make any difference there may be a slight performance difference i mean one of the things that didn't get mentioned too loudly was if you're in dual capture mode there's going to be a 3.5 second shot to shot time uh, but relatively long for a camera phone of course if you switch it into pure view mode it will then be uh, much quicker but i think at least some of the time you will want to be in that dual shot mode because the the reframing stuff actually is really clever it's in some ways the highlight for me of the particular user experience maybe we'll touch on that later um, but the the thing about the software processing it's got the kind of same processing as was in the amber updates on the 925 and that you know made a significant improvement but it's also got this what knocker referred to as a kind of true color technology which means it will be better able to capture colors in a wider range of conditions and you know it's always difficult to describe that but it's kind of more accurate colors but also feel that they have a, a kind of a, a, a pop to them um, and it was an area where the 808 I wouldn't say it was weak um, but sometimes color reproduction could be you know not stellar particularly on you know difficult conditions um, I mean the 808 
we're talking about relatively small grades of improvements here and you know what we should probably emphasize is the 1020 is going to be way ahead of anything else on the market with the 808 being the only thing that will be in the same league and so it's sort of you know when you're talking about these devices it's like comparing say the lumia 925 to the iphone 5 or the galaxy s4 the 808 and the 1020 are going to be in you know anything if anything several leagues above um but you know I saw some sample images. I had a chance to capture them myself. You know, really, really very impressive, but it's almost impossible to judge until you do a, a side-by-side comparison of pictures you, you know, you've captured yourself and are comparing down at the pixel level. But I, I have no doubt at all that it's going to be producing some absolutely stunning results. Yeah, one just small qualification to what you just said. Um, the, the best camera phone in the world right now isn't actually either of the two PV devices. <laughs> Going slightly left field, Rafe, I've got the Galaxy S4 Zoom here for review. And, you know, 10 times optical zoom and some really, really impressive software and results from that. But I absolutely accept that that is chunky beyond belief. <laughs> and it's effectively uh, not much smaller than the uh, 1020 with the grip attached. And that's carrying that around all the time. But I, I, I will accept that for a, a mainstream form factor, the 1020 is liable to be the number one for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, the, the Galaxy S4 Zoom is a really interesting device. I mean, it, it's sort of in the middle between connected camera and smartphone and certainly more towards the connected camera side. Yeah. And I think one of the things that doesn't come across necessarily very well in the 1020 when you see the pictures, you see there is the camera bulge. Uh, Nokia kept on talking about the point that it was, uh, you know, a camera smartphone, but with no kind of caveat given to the camera phone, you know, no compromises made. There is a small bulge, but actually it almost feels like part of the design. You know, the design teams at Nokia have done a, a fantastic job. And whereas the 808 was, you know, a noticeably bulky device. And, you know, that's fine. If you want to carry a camera phone around like that, it's kind of a trade-off you accept. The 1020 really feels much more like a smartphone. And, the, you know, the fact that the camera phone is in there and, the module has been reduced down to 10 millimeters. It's just such an astonishing engineering achievement. And there's various factors in that. One of that is, as I say, just reducing the, the physical side of the sensor down ever so slightly, the flat capacitor for the Xenon flash, um, also taking out some of the components that previously were kind of X, Y and putting them uh, in the Z plane. But that 10 millimeter camera module is just amazing, especially when you consider there's also optical image stabilization in there. And adding that to, you know, a, a sensor that size or a camera module that size is a, a really quite impressive achievement. Much easier from an engineering point of view what they did in the 920 and the 925. And that really, really surprised me. I mean, that together with the fact there isn't a specialist imaging chip in there. So there's been some custom work done. I mean, previously that Qualcomm Snapdragon processor supported camera phones up to a maximum of 20 megapixels, which makes me think they've actually done some custom work to make it work with the the graphics uh, cpu uh, i couldn't get confirmation on that but what nokia did say was they've done a custom job right from the silicon up to the software level you know completely rewritten that and you know, that's an awful lot of work and it's a really i mean as i say really stunning engineering achievement that's going to be very difficult for others to replicate quite apart from all the sensor and the optics technology uh, and so i think that's a, a point i can't really emphasize enough is that the 1020 you know is in that sense a departure from some of nokia's previous camera phone devices which did add you know a bit of bulk in order to get those big camera modules in and that's going to make it much more attractive to the average consumer i mean yes there clearly there is a bulge it's about 
three millimeters i think if you you measure it but as i say it does almost feel like a you know the back of the device has a design as well it's, you know, it stands out and it's 150 grams you know lighter than the 920 it's a bit heavier than the 925 but doesn't feel excessively heavy uh, and uh you know honestly i'm in awe of that design given the complexities that have gone into it really quite astonishing achievement I think the other thing to point out here, Rafe, though, is although there was such a big focus on imaging uh, and, and the software going on, it's still a Windows phone. And the, the additions that are coming up in Windows Phone weren't really mentioned here. So I think a lot of people might have just go, oh, it's just, a, it's just Windows Phone with a camera. But there is more to the 1020. It's that sort of next iteration of Windows Phone that's actually going to be hitting the market. That's right. I mean, as I say, it was termed as, you know, a smartphone with no compromise for the camera. And it's easy to forget that that smartphone part. And essentially what you've got here is uh, a 925 uh, with an extra camera component. And so that camera component is obviously going to add to the cost. Um, but it's you know very capable. We've been talking about uh, Lumia Amber on the site, and that's you know in Windows Phone GDR2, and that's what's running on this uh, 1020. And so that's things like uh, low-power Bluetooth support or Bluetooth Smart. It's uh, you know, updates for the camera app, so you can change the default camera app. And we should talk about the Pro Camera app. I'm sure Steve's got some interest in that, so maybe we'll address that next. But also you know, updates under the hood to battery life, and so it's about 10% better uh, battery life. There's also uh, with Nokia introducing glance screen we talked about that on a previous podcast so I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a, a major update but for those that had kind of the first generation of the Windows Phone 8 devices there's quite a few nice little extras coming in here that kind of just make the device that little bit more attractive and uh, I, I mean the only real difference is it, it's got two gigabytes of RAM apart from that the kind of the core specification outside the camera is the same um, as all the other devices albeit with 32 gigabytes of internal memory and, and possibly some variants to come with uh, more than that we'll have to wait and see Telefonica got announced as a partner but no details on what their exclusive device would have but my bet would be it's in the memory department and incidentally that two gigabytes of RAM it's all about doing processing uh, from the camera it won't really have an impact on making anything faster in day-to-day operations so uh, no, it's no point getting too excited about it uh, but I guess it does show off the prowess of uh, Windows Phone that you can continue to have what feels like a very fast and fluid, you know, operating system and experience on software or on an architecture that's actually getting relatively old now. Steve, the Pro Camera app, it's a big change because what got me was it's got all those big scary settings that you normally tell me to leave alone. <laughs> I, I'm sure Rafe can back me up here, but I, I imagine that everything runs in full auto very well indeed. And you, Yay! Yeah, and you just flick through to the advanced settings if you absolutely need them. The, I, obviously, I can't say much without trying it hands-on, but Rafe, the impression I got was that there's a lot of intelligence in this application. Now, the, the camera interface that was designed for the Nokia 808 and was kind of custom-designed as sort of the third or fourth generation on from the Symbian smartphones, things like the N8. So it, the 808's camera application was really very well optimized for auto, then scene mode, and then the fiddle-with-everything mode. Um, but you had to do a lot of tapping, really, to, 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 to think ahead to exactly what you wanted to do, and then what you got was what you got. The thing with Pro Camera, integrated tightly with this dual capture system, is that you can shoot in full auto, and you can zoom away and rely on the software to retain the details in those full resolution shots and intelligently present them without you don't have to think okay and now i want the full resolution or do i want them pure view 5 megapixel it basically handles both of them and lets you zoom seamlessly between the two which are, i think is pretty intelligent it, it is i mean 
I thought the 808 you know, camera stood out as being one of the best ones, but actually it was really for pro users. As you say, you had to go very deliberately through the yeah. settings and think quite carefully about it. That wasn't very accessible for novice users. Uh, pro camera, by contrast, I think will be much easier for novice users. And actually the good thing about that is it probably will encourage more people uh, to try out the custom settings. And if you're a pro user, it actually makes changing those settings very easy. So I'd expect you know those sorts of people to use it more. Because, I mean, if truth be known, I use you know automatic mode on my camera phones probably 99% of the time. I think that could change with this pro camera. I mean, essentially what you've got is, you know, there's a, a camera icon that you slide out and you then get these semicircular kind of settings for changing, you know, the kind of the key settings, things like exposure and ISO levels. Uh, and you can then just reach your thumb across and move them. You can also do them individually from a, a bar along the top. But actually what's really important about it is kind of the settings then have a live effect on the viewfinder. So you can see what's going to happen to the picture you take. And it's possible to change a whole variety of settings relatively quickly. And then, you know, see that impact you'll have, then capture the image and then reset everything uh, and try again. And I think particularly for things like ISO speed and exposure, and even sort of capture time that's actually a, a pretty big deal because you can kind of get to know your camera and know what settings work best and actually reinforcing that there's this really great tutorial mode within the camera application that explains what all the settings do and show you kind of examples so you can get a kind of a firm understanding of what it does but it's also that that feeling that this you know user interface fits in with the rest of windows phone you know sometimes you know camera phones kind of have a, a ui that is completely separate i mean i think sony and samsung both often take the approach of having a similar ui to to that which they have in their standalone cameras and it's not necessarily the wrong approach uh, but i really like what nokia have done here certainly I'm always hesitant to say this before trying it out for a longer period of time, but the best camera interface I've tried, I, I was really impressed by just that is use and the idea that things almost self-disclose. So, you know, you're trying something out, you can see what happens. And I think that's the best type of user experience. And that also goes into the post-capture. You were talking about the dual capture mode there. And it's always the thing that got the biggest ooh in the presentation. Certainly when you use it as a demo, you go, oh, that's really clever. Uh, and this is, you know, you go into the kind of the post capture mode and you can do what's called reframing and essentially this is using the the full resolution image and then cropping out just a little bit of it and it's actually done with zooming um, and being able to rotate the image and you know you sort of go well actually it's not all that complicated because basically all it is is cropping but it doesn't feel like that it, it's kind of this magic that Nokia referred to of you know not worrying too much about the framing of the picture but then going and changing it afterwards and maybe extracting four or five pictures from you know one big picture that you've taken and it worked really well and it's completely integrated into the camera and so it feels like a natural extension of what you'd you, you do already and you know i'd contrast it with things like smart camera or any of the other standalone you know lens apps they're great but you have to make a deliberate decision to use them and think about it maybe even before you start doing the capture with this as you were saying steve it's really post-capture and you're not really you know unzooming an image or zooming out because the data is stored there in the first place but that's what it sometimes feels like and uh, i think it's a, a very clever approach and it works you know fantastically well in practice i'm really keen to try it out for myself i mean one of the reasons this will work so well is Nok is actually using RAJPEG or um, Random Access JPEG. So it basically does some pre-processing on the JPEG, which means things are very slick and smooth when you're zooming in and out. It operates incredibly quickly. And it's not just um, 
you know, a square crop, you can actually rotate the image as well. And so, you know, rotate it to say 45 degrees and then grab a square out of it. And that sort of thing is very hard to do with a normal uh, JPEG image. But thanks to this raw JPEG uh, technology, it happens really quickly, very smoothly. And uh, I think that will rapidly become, you know, one of the big talking points of this. Quite apart from all the settings in the massive megapixels, you know, you take an image and you suddenly go, actually, I just wanted that little bit of it. And because you've got many megapixels to kind of play with, you can you know, choose just 20% of the image and you still get a, a 5 megapixel image out at the end of the day. You know, obviously it's not quite as good as the pure view image where it's going 7 into 1, but because of the high quality of the optics and the size, actually it still produces some really good results. And we put some example images up on the site and I did a few of those examples. It doesn't really come across that how well you can do that on the camera interface itself and so that's something i'm really keen to see other people try and get an opinion on that because i think that's going to be a, a really big point of this it's quite hard to explain so i'm not sure how well it can come across in marketing or in the shops but people actually buy one and use it i'm sure that's going to be a very popular feature and then we come to the question of who is actually going to buy this smartphone first up rafe bonus points to nokia for going here's the handset it will be available for pre-order on date x it will be available on july 26th on at&t and it will cost 300 dollars okay we didn't get the same free price we didn't get rest of the world and everything but that's progress yes is it is. this but minus points for not having the rest of the world. I can't see that it would be that difficult to also announce a, a, a price before tax and subsidies. I mean, you can work it out roughly because... Yeah, yeah, it would probably scare people though like they did at launch of the N-Gate for 10, 15 years ago. Uh, perhaps that's the case. And we were in New York, we're in the American market and, um, you know, AT&T are basically the launch partner for this handset. Indeed, uh, AT&T aren't just getting an American exclusive, they're getting kind of a global exclusive. So it will launch in the US and it will be available exclusively there for you know, a month, possibly even two months before it then becomes available uh, in the rest of the world. If you look at that three ninety nine. Um, sorry, $299 price point with AT&T. It's, you know, an extra $200 over something like the 920 or or $100 over kind of the standard pricing. So I'd actually expect the 1020 to maybe be £50 more expensive than kind of the standard high-end camera phones. I think in some markets you won't notice that in the UK, for example, I'm pretty sure this will be available free on a contract. Uh, if you're buying it SIM-free, I would maybe look towards the unsubsidized and before tax prices of around 530 maybe 540 euros uh, that contrasts with the 95 which is sort of 450 euros uh, but we will have to wait and see a bit but yes you're right you know it, it's going to be out essentially in less than two weeks that's you know that's definitely progress mm -hmm. it's also worth pointing out that as a 32 gigabyte uh, smartphone uh, on AT&T, it's the same price as the 32 gigabyte iPhone 5. So there is some comparativity. That's, that's Steve, is com right. comparativity, Steve? Yes, I'll no? I'll let you get away with that. Thank yeah. you, yeah. There is comparativity there uh, between handsets of a similar memory size. But again, I mean, this is a high-end device, and Nokia has still sidestepped micro SD for external storage. And I just... Okay, they've got to pack a lot inside. I can understand the aesthetics beside it, but, you know, this is a handset that's going to be the best part. 650, 700 quid SIM free, and it doesn't have expandable storage. And in this day and age, why are Nokia still doing that? I mean, the, if there was one negative reaction that I saw online, it's just like, oh, there's no micro SD, they're dead to me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the same answer as we've had before. No, 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 we're not, not wanting, listening. What, what, <laughs> not wanting to spoil the, the lines of the device and there not being the consumer demand for it. And, <laughs> not and, spoil know, the, the lines. They still slap the AT&T logo on it, don't they? Well, that that's true. Uh, and I'm not sure I entirely buy that argument. But the simple truth of it is that 90% of people wouldn't use a micro SD card and you design for the 90%, not the 10%. And I accept there's a strong constituency out there that would love to see a micro SD card. But by the same token, you know, there's no micro sd card in the iphone 5 and okay yeah there's a extra capacity version you can buy uh, but i think it's it's not really worth getting distracted by this particular point i, you know, I understand completely that it's a, a frustration for many but for the majority of people buying the device it's not going to be a factor yeah it was just really the camera centric nature of the 1020 when I mean, they it's been pointed out online and i'm sure you can back it up that they spent 28 minutes from the start of the presentation before they mentioned the word phone and um, basically it was all about the camera so they are positioning it as a camera centric flagship smartphone and it just just great slightly to have a camera centric device which doesn't have one of the primary attributes of every standalone camera in the world which is a, a, a card expansion where you can not only expand it to the size you want but you can take the card out and plug it into another device like a desktop to onward processing without having to mess around with bluetooth or wi-fi transferring or even uploading it to the cloud and then downloading it again so it, it degraded with me but I, I do accept it's not a showstopper yeah. And, and the, the other thing I should probably point out here, I don't really think it's an issue for still images at all. Um, in dual shot mode, you're talking about 15 megabytes or so an image. So we're talking uh, a lot of images that you can get onto that 32 gigs, even if you're only say allocating five gigs for imaging. For video, I think there's more of a case to answer here. Having said that, the number of people who are shooting you know, half an hour or an hour's worth of video with their, their camera phone, very small. And again, it comes back to that 90%, you know, you build for the 90 percent i mean from a personal point of view yes i would like to see a micro sd card on there i agree with everyone and i've had some emails about this uh, but i'm just trying to put the the other side of the equation and honestly i think 32 gigabytes is enough um yes. yeah but i i'm not going to buy that right because yes you say designed for the 90 percent, but the 90 percent phone is probably the nokia 620 not the nokia 1020 no, no, i'm talking about 90 percent of 1020 owners um the you know those that heavily intensively use this and fill up all that memory are going to be in the minority uh and uh, of course you know if it was 16 gigabytes would be a different different story that would be a bigger percentage affected by it and we can presume that there's going to be 64 gig at some point <clears throat> telephonica uh in the near future as well well that would be my guess for the the telephonica variant or maybe an extra mm. color as well but um, but t- t- for, just for me to be devil's advocate for a second which i know is unusual on the podcast that 10 percent of people who will heavily use the 1020 and would appreciate a micro sd card those are the 10 percent that are going to go out that are going to evangelize that are going to create websites like pureviewclub.com and that are going to go out and sell your phone on your behalf and and it's a relatively common platform in terms of hardware and we see micro sd on things like the 820 which has been a wonderful boon for me using uh, that on that handset and on the smaller devices as well you know it's if if the argument rafe is that 10 percent of people aren't using it on the high-end devices but it's on the low-end devices are you saying that more people use micro sd on lower devices than higher devices or nokia trying to create artificial scarcity here to help with the memory sciences or i'll even give you a third option at&t have said we don't want them to use micro sd because we want them to use the at&t cloud server which is an extra 15 dollars a month or something right um, 
Before Rafe, while, while, while Rafe has a think about the answer to that question, which is a three-part question, which may take some time, I just wanted to play the other rare role for me as the Windows Phone apologist. So we're both switching <laughs> roles here. Um, in the, the 1020's defence, um, I had a, a Lumi 920 here now for about five or six months. I've used it on and off as a main phone. And uh, Mark, who runs the PureView Club out, uh, down in, in Europe, he's also had a 920. At no point, interestingly, if either of us ever said, I've run out of storage or that 32 gigabyte wasn't enough. Yes, with the 16 gig, you know, Lumi 925. Yes, with the, uh, some of the other phones in the range, other Windows phones, which have been more limited. The HDC, um, is that the uh, 8S in particular was uh, particularly atrocious. But for these 32 gigabyte models, I mean, I'm a power user. I load videos and music and I take photos and videos on the Lumi 920. And I imagine I would on the 1020. 1020, and not once so far have I thought, hmm, this is limiting. I really wish I had micro SD. I can absolutely wish for it like Rafe did. I can see all the advantages, but actually in a real world uh, capability, I've never actually complained. So in fairness, that Nokia's decision may be right. And there we go. That's basically the argument that Nokia would hand back if a power user like Steve isn't that bothered or rather hasn't used it on the 920. Everyone might think they need it, but do they really need it? And sort of Nokia knows best. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not going to see your I question have about it. drone and Rafe is answering his questions in 30 seconds. What's happened to the podcast? <laughs> To answer your question, yes, people do use it more on the lower-end devices, but that's because they've got less internal memory, and it's a way of you know, upgrading, and you know you go from, say, 8, eight gigabytes up to 16 gigabytes, or maybe even more, and you know, that's the way you do it. When you buy a more expensive device, you get the memory that you need uh, with it. I actually think, for me, the boundary is the 16 to 32 gigabytes, and I actually think the 925 not having a micro SD card slot is a bigger issue. And like Steve, you know, I've been using the 920, as my main device and shot loads of camera and video on it i haven't even taken you know the camera stuff off you know it's all still sitting on there after you know six well eight months of use now uh, and i haven't run out of room i'm admittedly now approaching the kind of the 30 gigabyte point so you I have backed have up to, or haven't you uh yes it's all backed up to skydrive i use the you know high resolution upload folks out there if you're listening if you haven't backed up in the last two weeks back up now yeah just there, we, <laughs> there we go and so you know it's it. We've now managed to spend sort of five, ten minutes talking about microSD. I honestly don't think it's an issue. I mean, I understand it, and I might still like to have it. But you know, the clean lines, the making it you know structurally better, you know, not having that added cost, the support cost that goes with it, and honestly, Windows Phone doesn't handle microSD terribly well at the moment. So overall. I find myself not really caring about it. Um, things that we should care about, though, are the accessories that come with the 1020. I was really quite impressed by these when I, I saw them, particularly the grip. But I'd be interested to get your view on this, Steve. I mean, you've already mentioned it in the context of a Galaxy S4 Zoom. What do you make of this? Does it turn it into a kind of a different device once you slot in this this grip? It, the fascinating thing is it's a psychological factor. It, once you hold a device with a proper camera grip, assuming you're right-handed, of course, you hold it in your right hand and your fingers snuggle around this big chunky grip and your finger hovers over a really meaty shutter button as it is on the S4 Zoom and it is, in, as indeed with the 1020 in its grip, your psychology, wow, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really going to take loads of photos and it puts you in the right frame of mind to, 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 to zoom in, to take photos, to try arty stuff that you wouldn't necessarily take. 
you know, thinking I've got a camera phone, I can take some snaps and maybe they'll be good, but they'll be fantastic. But once you've got a grip in your hand, you think, hmm, so I can do this. And it's a, a kind of a psychological factor. Now, the, the 1020 in its grip is uh, larger than things like the S4 Zoom, but it's in fairness, it's no larger than a, a typical DSLR. So uh, I, I'm all for this. The only caveat, I suppose, is you'd have to take it everywhere with you, like in the glove box of your car or in your backpack because uh, I can see people out and about and oh I wish I had my grip oh darn I left it at home so you do kind of have to cart this plastic accessory around with you yeah I mean I think that's uh, a question of getting used to it and certainly anyone who's got a camera will know that bringing a tripod with them or an extra lens in the case of SLR cameras you know, they're kind of used to that idea but I think you hit the nail on the head it, it's you know changes the way people think about the device I mean in terms of the hands-on I mean one of the things I should should have said about the 1020 you pick it up it feels like a light traditional smartphone you know, it's got that almost that that x factor the first few seconds after you pick it up it just feels nice in the hand it's gone back to having a matte rather than a gloss finish on it uh it just feels really nicely made and there's an alignment of all the bits around the outside so they're all on that same axis they've strengthened the corners of the screen of the device that's been slightly redesigned and that's superior to the previous lumia devices but you slot in this this camera grip and it works pretty much like the kind of the clip-on covers do you kind of slot it in it, it goes into place and there's an extra battery in there and so i can't remember the exact capacity but it, it adds you know 50 percent again to the battery capacity and so any extra battery you might use taking videos or pictures you kind of will get back by putting this camera grip on and she says it's got this better camera capture button uh, it's more about the thickness of the device you know smartphones have now got quite thin and you compare it to a traditional camera it's quite fat those traditional cameras being fat is actually a good thing it makes them easy to grip and calling it a camera grip is no mistake that's kind of an extra bit on one end with a a more grippy texture on part of it and it, it just changes the way you look at the device i wouldn't say it goes up to slr size or slr like capabilities i mean it gets close maybe to the low end ones but certainly the high end point and shoot cameras you know those which are just a little bit bigger it does get into to that category and then of course having the the tripod mounting point as well if you're going to start doing interesting things with the camera that's you know a great boon to have and i think there's a much more sensible approach than having kind of the tripod mounts that we've previously seen on smartphones which are kind of clip on accessories where you, you know do up a screw and it tightens a, a rubber hold around the device or something like that with the HOA. I'm just being told in the back channel by Steve that the battery capacity is 1,050 milliamp hour. So yes, as I say, about 50% again. Um, the actual transfer process won't be completely efficient, so maybe eight to 900 milliamp hours, but enough to you know, give you a really good extra uh, power boost. The only thing I'd say about it is it's slightly on the pricey side. I think it was $79. So, you know, as with a lot of camera accessories, it's it's not that cheap. I'm sure that will come down in cost. But I will say that it feels, you know, very well built. Um, maybe slightly plasticky, the materials on the outside uh, compared to the polycarbonate body of the phone. When you clip it into place, everything feels really solid. You know, it actually doesn't feel like a clip-on cover. It feels like a one-piece thing. Uh, to the extent it's actually a little tricky to get out, you have to just um, wiggle the size of the phone a bit, and it, it does work. But it was quite interesting watching some of the demo people just struggling slightly to get the camera grip off. But I think that's a good thing because it's the sort of thing you're going to put on for an afternoon and you know take out with you when you go shooting pictures, and you don't want it falling off or being slightly delicate so you know thumbs up from that it's also the 1020 going to have this uh, wireless charging uh, cover that you slip on much like the 720 and the 925 i didn't actually see one in person but the picture shirt to be just the same as those other devices and that adds the wireless charging um, and that wireless charging why was it not included with the device well yes it would have made it um, a little bit thicker uh, and uh, extra cost 
that's not that big a deal in the case of a, the 1020 because actually there's still some logic inside the device to enable that wireless charging. Um, but you know, even that small difference, I think, has an impact. And I've sort of come to the view that unless you can include a wireless charging pad actually within the box, um, it's no point including wireless charging within the device itself because, again, it's a 90% of people versus 10% of people and obviously those charging pads those wireless charging pads are going to remain more expensive than the standard charger for for some time to come but yes uh, all around accessories are a nice picture and we're told that they're going to be available at the same time the device launches we've had some previous Lumia devices that not be the case um, and certainly I'll be queuing up for a, a 1020 uh, camera grip and I assume you too will you you will too Steve well, I'm hoping you'll buy one for the team and send it down to me to review. <laughs> yes, well, we're going to review the device just as soon as we can. We uh, may be uh, a little bit delayed because, as I say, it's launching in the States first on at and It's going to be available globally only a little bit later on. It, it will probably be uh, the end of August, but I can't give you a definite time. Nokia weren't willing to commit to any particular time frame. Um, but one of the questions is, you know, why is that delay happening? Well, it's because AT&T really like the device and they've made a big commitment to it. And that would only happen if you know, they a, thought it was a good device and thought it was going to sell. And Nokia would only agree to it if AT&T had made a, a substantial commitment in terms of units they were willing to buy and marketing they were going to put behind it. And I wouldn't quite compare it to the original iPhone because I'm not sure it's going to sell in those kind of numbers. It's one of the things that's interesting about this 1020. Uh, but I do expect it to be a substantial, a very substantial launch on AT&T. And I actually think the big effect the 1020 will have is less maybe around loads of sales numbers because it is an expensive device, but it's going to have a halo effect on the rest of the Lumia range. People are going to hear about this device, they're going to hear about Lumia, and then they're going to go into the phone shop and say, oh, can I get a, a Lumia device? And they may not walk away with a 1020, but Nokia's got a pretty uh, complete range with the 925, the 920, the 820, the 720, the 620, the 520, all price points. And that's maybe something they've not quite had before, a, a halo device that really stands out from the crowd. You know, this camera is something you know that you cannot get anywhere else really and uh, that's i think an important part of the nokia strategy honestly it's a halo device and if the 1020 doesn't sell in the tens of millions i think it will certainly have a, a boost on the overall lumia sale numbers for those of you wanting to keep a reference to and uh, that marker that rafe has put down rafe the first generation iphone sold 6.1 million units through its lifetime uh which if you take the normal power distribution curve probably means that it sold 4 million in the first six months fair target for the 1020 or not yeah, I, I guess that probably would be a, a reasonable target for the first six months as they're very different because they're as I say, is this rest of this Lumia range? I think the, the important thing will not be to say, oh, the 1020 sold X million. I think actually it's, does it get people talking about the Lumia range and by association uh, Windows phone and the impact it has? You know, we've had some high-end devices. I think the 925 is you know, a fine device in that sense, you know, but it's sort of competing on an equal footing. The 1020 has something that rather sets it apart and will make people talk about it because of that. And I'm sure that's going to be followed up in the marketing. We'll hear all about the fantastic imaging. You know, expect to see people showing off example pictures that may be getting mentioned in cross promotions and things like that. Uh, and that's why I expect the significance of this device to have an impact, not necessarily on just pure sales numbers of the 1020 itself. Um, I, I may be proved wrong. It may be because it's so close to, you know, 
Well, it's a, it doesn't really make a compromise to have that great camera. It's still a normal smartphone as well. And if people are willing to pay uh, you know, a slight premium for it, which it will be at first, I think in time that will come down, then it, it could sell you know, very well for a high-end device and you know, potentially could outsell the, the 920 and the 925. Uh, the smart money, I would suggest, is still to say that you know, it won't be at quite, quite that level. And I think the 925 will benefit enormously from the halo effect. But also that will have a trickle-down effect through the rest of the range. But uh, that's being rather more speculative. Um, as I still feel I need to step back. I've been at this launch event and you do tend to get inside the bubble. And it, it was difficult not to sort of just have your mouth drop open at the sort of the, the impressive engineering that had been achieved here, but also some of the pictures being shown off, the excitement that was being shown by the Nokia staff in particular. They were so proud to show off this device and they've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. Not just the imaging teams, but the sales teams, the marketing teams, the comm team. And that was quite apparent in all my interactions with them. You know, I sat down to an interview and the person I was interviewing go, I've been wanting to tell you about this device uh, for the last 12 months, Rafe. And you know, I had an interview previously with this same spokesperson and had asked about the sort of future progression of imaging. Of course, couldn't say anything then. And that level of kind of excitement and passion, I think, speaks well for the product, but also for the company. Just can I just check one thing, Rafe? At any point, did they strap you to a chair uh, and have you listened to lots of classical music while watching a 1966 film starring David Hemmings? No, they, they didn't try any brainwashing techniques, although that the slickness of the presentation did feel a bit like that, which is why I, say, I kind of need to step back and, and think about it. But honestly, all the signs of a really great hit device are there. Something that makes it stand out from the crowd, a quite simply astonishing camera. It really is quite amazing. And it's not just the hardware. We've talked all about that. It's also the software experience that goes with it and you know the ability to share those things. And there were some extra announcements there with kind of Ogle Pro coming in. And there's going to be more in that department, I'm sure, to come soon. But also it was the design of the device. You know, each of the Lumia devices has been a progression from the previous one. Described how that was the case from the 920 to the 925. But even the 1020 launching just a few months after the 920 feels a bit more of a, a, a step on. So it's just the little details like the strengthening of the corners of the device, kind of a smaller gap, uh, just reinforcing it. So that means if you drop it, it's less likely to break. Kind of the alignments of all the parts around the outside. The speaker, for example, has returned to the bottom of the device like it was on the 920, not the rear like it was on the 925. The use of um, aluminium material on the side buttons, all of those extra little details you know, do make a difference. And you know, I think that will come out in some of the reviews of the 1020. That extra level of refinement is important because it's those small details that you kind of notice later on, even if all the headlines are about the 41 megapixel camera. So there we go. Steve, do you think Rafe picked up on the David Hemmings reference? Yes, I do. Come on, everybody knows 1960s David Hemmings films. <gasps> Rafe? Uh, I thought was thinking it was Clockwork Orange, but obviously I'm... Um... Oh, so he had two references there. You picked up the Ludovico, well done, but the other one is your homework for the week then, I think. Okay, well, I will go and look up suitably obscure cultural references. Well, they're not obscure, but they're obscure for someone of my generation, perhaps. Ah, and see, that's the problem of the youth of today. They just don't know movies and pictures when they're... T- anyway, yes, that's your All About Windows Phone Insight podcast. Um, 
there's still lots more to talk about. So we'll see if we can get another one in by the end of the week because there's all the software changes. We've had time with the Nokia 928, even though uh, Steve would just like us to go, oh, it's just a little thing on Verizon. And there's all the updates to here, maps, software changes uh, coming through as well, plus a bundle of software. And at some point in the next couple of weeks, Halo Spartan Assault as well will be coming to Windows Phone. And uh, not only do we have the big guns in imaging, we have the big guns of the big guns coming through as well. We will be bringing you all of that over the summer and on throughout the rest of the year on allaboutwindowsphone.com. See, I've remembered to drop the www uh, so Rafe can smile once more. Uh, thank you to uh, the uh, wandering minstrel that is Steve Litchfield. Uh, you're welcome. And just in the Lumi 928's defence, in case I'm not invited on the podcast at the end of the week, it, despite my disparaging of the 928 Xenon Flash, it was still the nicest Windows Phone handset I'd ever held. So, yeah. uh, that's fine. You're my favourite. You can come back. Uh, we also have uh, Rafe Blanford, uh, who fresh back from New York and uh, probably, um, I don't know, did your phone get scanned by the NSA as you're going through customs? Well, uh, I don't know about it, but I'm, I'm sure it was. But yeah, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. We have got more to talk about. I'm sure the 1020 is going to come up Again, if you've got any questions, please uh, send them in. You can send them in via Twitter, Facebook, email, Rafe at All About Windows Phone, or you and at All About Windows Phone, or even Steve at All About Windows Phone. Uh, we always like hearing from our listeners. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot more to come this summer, both in terms of software and devices, and I suspect there'll be plenty of reviews along too soon. And uh, if you hear sounds of fighting at All About Towers, it's because Steve and I are having a strong discussion about how we're going to review the 1020. Yeah, I'm, I'll be playing Halo. Uh, so there we go. This feels almost like a mid-season relaunch podcast, but there we go. Uh, we'll be back at least uh, within seven days, if not more. Uh, more flows, more news at the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. Leave your comments. Do interact, Rafe Pace Check, so um, technically he is my favourite. Uh, but everybody out there listening, you're my favourites as well. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. And we shall catch you again in the next podcast. Hurrah for now.